everyone today is trying to find ways to save some money. One thing that people try to do when they're separating is do their own separation agreement. Sit down at their kitchen table and try to work it out with their spouse. That is a laudable goal, and it's one that is actually encouraged by the changes to the Family Law Act that came into force in 2021. But they can run into some problems if they don't know what they're doing and they don't consult a lawyer to make sure they get the agreement right. So to make sure that you get your agreement right, we're going to discuss what is necessary in a separation agreement in this episode of the Ontario Family Law Podcast. I'm John Schumann, a certified specialist in family law. I'm also a mediator, arbitrator, and collaborative lawyer. This podcast is a companion to my book, Guide to Basics of Ontario Family Law, which is available on the Apple Bookstore, Amazon, Kobo, and in fine bookstores. One thing we see a lot in family law is people who try to do the separation agreement themselves, and often that doesn't work out. To explain why that happens and what can be done about it, I've got with me another family lawyer, Caitlin Bell. Hello, Caitlin. Hello. So, what are some of the things that people mess up with when they're doing a separation agreement? There's a lot of things that uh, people mess up with doing a separation agreement. Can they be done by an individual party, parent, spouse? I mean, yes, they can, but I would say they shouldn't. Oh. Common things that are missed, definitely specific releases. Talking about making this agreement a forever and final thing so that these spouses do not have to come back and, and have issues. So having a release on spousal support, for example. This is a type of release that has been well-developed, gone over lots of times by judges. <laughs> the legislation, etc. We have clear terms that we put into these types of releases that, that individuals won't think of. So this is meant to be forever final, contemplating the future, contemplating whether someone loses an arm, whether they become mentally ill, whether there's a pandemic and you suddenly can't earn the type of income that you were maybe enjoying during the relationship or afterwards or just life happens. So having a very strong spousal support release is something that's going to be very important and something that we see missed a lot. It just most of the times is not adequate enough to hold up to scrutiny by a family court judge if there needs to be a review to the agreement. A lot of other things too, property releases are important. Again, if you're settling all the issues on a final basis, you need to talk about pensions, you need to talk about the investment accounts, oh. how we're going to treat maybe RESPs for the children. Another common thing too is a dispute resolution clause. If you have some things in there that are reviewable, so let's say something like child support or even spousal support, parenting, traveling with your children, something that's going to continue to come up even though your relationship is over when you have an issue having that dispute resolution clause that the parents or spouses or what have you can rely on to say this is the mechanism this is what happens when there's a problem and having a family law lawyer set that out and what those terms look like just gives everyone a more clear page kind of going forward and less ambiguity less confusion hopefully less conflict why don't you have your lawyer call my lawyer so we talked about all those clauses that have specific terms on them is a person who is writing up their own separation agreement with their spouse or their ex-spouse are they going to be able to figure out what those clauses should say on their own i think maybe if you hit the internet you might be able to get a, a little bit of an idea but ultimately no there's a lot that has to go in there and they're very fact specific to families as well we want to make sure that we're thinking of everything and and it's all going in there and this is very very detailed so it's not something you're just going to be able to pull up on a google search if you do again you're going to be opening up the door to maybe this agreement being scrutinized being thrown out maybe it's six months from now maybe it's five years from now who knows and you also mentioned making sure you cover the investment accounts and the bank accounts and all that how would you know if you've got all the accounts included in your separation agreement or all the all the assets including the separation agreement that's a good point because when individuals are drafting their own agreement it's usually something that will be missed 
leave it to the lawyer to do their due diligence and make sure that there's complete financial disclosures to go over what the RESPs are or the checking account, the credit card, maybe the Costco MasterCard that everyone forgot about five years ago. I mean, these are things that we will dive into and ensure are forming part of this agreement. And that's something else that parties will often miss is one of the important components to any type of domestic contract, if we're speaking about separation agreements, is attaching or appending some level of financial disclosure. Now, whether that's 60 pages of your income tax returns or bank statements or whatnot, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. But to have maybe an affidavit or a statement of income, assets, debts, etc., and have all of that included into the agreement, financial disclosure is a, a very important and actually necessary part of these types of agreements. Agreements that's going to need to be included in there. Ah. A lot of spouses who might say, Oh, we can't be bothered with all that. I kind of know what my spouse has. I know they've got some accounts, but I'm not going to pay that much attention. And they don't really know what I've got exactly, but it's close enough. Can we, is close enough good enough for a separation agreement when you've got people who are separating and want to keep things simple? I don't believe, in my view, that close enough is good enough. I think if we're going to have a situation like that, there has to be very detailed waivers or written understandings contained within the agreement to say that we've made the investigations, that we've asked the questions, we've looked into what we want, there's nothing else there. I mean, an important part of negotiating a separation agreement and why you might want a lawyer is you really have to know what you're giving up and what you're getting. You might not be contracting to that spousal support release if you know your spouse <laughs> is hiding a million dollars in an offshore account. Just if there's money and wealth there that you weren't aware of. And the same thing is true with debts as well. So you want to ensure that post-separation, you're not strapped with the car debt or something else that you didn't know about and didn't deal with in this agreement. And that's something that an experienced family law lawyer can help you avoid. Yeah. And do many people know how property is supposed to be divided after they separate? They know what the law is on that? Mm. No, in my experience, not a lot of people understand it at all. And there's differences for common law spouses and married spouses. And that's also something that uh, the general public, I, I feel like, does not necessarily understand. Very unique rules and asset division with, with married couples that takes a lot of kind of moving parts to it. And it takes a, an expert in that area to be able to deal with that in the most effective fair, cost-effective way. People don't like to spend upfront money on lawyers, but by not using a lawyer and doing some of these agreements and, and then being strapped with a car loan or maybe having to go with to the small claims court or then maybe being exposed to having to pay all the spousal support down the road, you could have avoided all of those back-end costs if you had incurred the front-end cost of just using a lawyer and doing it properly the first time around. People do parenting agreements on their own? I've seen them, of course, done on their own. My biggest issue with them, at least in my practice, is the ambiguity. There's a lot of things that are missed. Parents don't tend to think about, let's say, using school as an example. Okay, so the current school works well now, but what happens if parent A moves? Or what happens if the child is being bullied at that school and parent B doesn't want to move the child, but parent A maybe does? And there's a lot of moving parts to that that need to be built into a parenting plan earlier, how I spoke about dispute resolution. I think that's an important part of a parenting plan as well. Name changes, travel, decision-making, all of that stuff. You can't just say the child is going to be with dad this week and with mom next week and we'll make decisions together. That's not going to cut it. It's just not going to be sufficient enough. And as you mentioned that we do have episodes on parenting and what judges expect from the C parents do and what they also expect to be in parenting orders and agreements. Now, moving on from that, what reasons would the judge say, okay, I'm just going to throw this agreement into the garbage and you two are going to start from scratch? Why would a judge do that? 
Financial disclosure, circling back to that, definitely. If there was absolutely no financial disclosure and someone's completely unaware of what they've given up, what they've gotten, etc., that will definitely have your agreement torn up, so to speak. Independent legal advice, as two lawyers standing here talking, I mean, that's really important as well. Uh, we have the legislation, the Family Law Act. We have documents, law, and precedent that says that a, a party really needs to understand what they're signing. Oh. And you need to have that opportunity to go and sit with the family law lawyer and have things explained to you and if you run into the courthouse a year from now and you didn't have that independent legal advice and you say i have no idea what any of this means the judge is going to be more open to ripping that up because neither one of the parties actually understood what they were doing this takes me back trying to save money up front but then spending money down the road you've worked on this settlement with your spouse maybe you've never used a lawyer but now you've got this whole other can of worms to open up now you're in court you've got to go back prove your case it just makes sense to do it right the first time Ah. Caitlin, thanks for this, this conversation today. I want everyone to check out the other episodes that reference all the stuff that we've spoken to today. Yes, exactly. Thanks for having me. Obviously, there are a lot of things that people have to know when they're doing a separation agreement and probably way more than the average person would know. That's why it's important to speak to a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You can reach me or my colleagues by calling 416-446-5847. We can help you with a separation agreement by drafting it or just telling you what you need to know before you meet with your spouse to figure out what the terms should be. If you need some more general family law or general children's law guidance, or you need to understand Ontario family law better so you can make better decisions, if you need to know the best parenting options after separation, or if you need to understand how finances work during a marriage or common law relationship and after separation or divorce, get a copy of my book, Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law. You can access it immediately on the iBook store on Amazon for the Kindle version, or you can download it for Kobo. Amazon can deliver the paperback version directly to your doorstep. You can also get a lot more Ontario Family Law information on www.shumanlaw.ca. Not only are there are hundreds of pages of Family Law information links, but there are links to get my book and links to reach my office to meet with either me or one of my colleagues. You can also set up an appointment to speak with us by calling 416-446-5847. It is always best to get a lawyer who can give you specific advice that is specific to your situation. In addition to my website, keep up to date on family and children's law issues by liking my Facebook page, following me on Twitter at Schumann Fam Law, and finding me on LinkedIn. Of course, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to keep up to date. You can get the audio versions of the Ontario Family Law Podcast on all major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many more. Or you can get all the episodes at www.shumanlaw.ca. Just look for podcasts in the drop-down menu. Thanks for participating in this podcast. We will get together again soon.